Hello, friends. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. I wanted to connect everyone. I said where, but I meant here. And see if you all be open to setting up a chat to get to know each other and explore new ideas. Collectively, you three are all Korean adoptees and connected to the Asian Americans in some way. Nathan's episode had already. KJ's will come out next week. And I'm sure Patrick will want to come on at some point. In each of my conversations with you individually, there is a common theme to provide a place for dialogue specifically about the adoptee experience. So I wanted to explore the idea of building a community digitally and a podcast slash video show of sorts to talk about all the things. Let me know if any of the three times below work. Thanks and much love to you all. Dated July 13th, 2020. And we met the next day for the first time. Um, Because I decided to put three grown men in an adult virtual play date at the height of the initial COVID wave. Uh, So here we are on episode 100. adopted korean american and more and now here's your host nathan patrick and kj how do you feel guys it was weird to listen to you read that email to be honest <laughs> especially, I forgot about that. especially when you opened with hello i hope you're all doing Doing safe. I was like, "Are we in an episode of Dear Asian Americans?" Dear Asian Americans. Hello, everybody. I'm Jerry Wan. You're listening to Dear Asian Americans. Wherever you are, whenever you are listening, hope that you are staying safe. Let's you know what? Actually, you. we've not all three been on to promote the show on Dear Asian Americans yet, despite all having been on there individually. So that's something I've just realized a hundred episodes later. Well, basically, <laughs> okay. our first okay. three episodes were, were, hey, go listen to Dear Asian Americans and you'll hear the rest of our stories. But since we know that you've already heard all of that, we're just going to tell each other's stories for each other and then ask us some follow-up questions. So, yeah, and I gotta say, um, I'm, I'm scrolling through the email chain that uh, followed the meeting on July 14th, uh, which was the day after I sent out the initial email, um, which, like I said, during the pandemic, everybody had a lot of free time. So I think scheduling meetings was super easy. But, um, oh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, looking back, I think the energy was there and the fire was always there. And, uh, you know, we just happened to put a spark on it. And so... Um, I'm seeing some conversations that we had about meetings or names and, and stuff like that. And, um, uh, I don't know, so much has changed in the show's life, in my personal, professional, all four of our professional, personal lives. Uh, it actually feels like it was a really, really long time ago. Does that feel that way for you guys? 
It does. Um, yes. Also, before we get too far into it, welcome back to the John T. Show. This is episode <laughs> 100. <laughs> we are celebrating. We have alcohol here. We're, I mean, this is a good time. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, maybe don't drink or live your life. You know, I don't actually care. But uh, we got executive producer Jerry Wan on the show, host and co-founder. Um, and uh, I would probably arguably still call him Podcast Daddy, even though he would, <laughs> would not appreciate that nickname. Uh, yeah, where's the cup? So <laughs> I, I can't open it, but yeah, <laughs> hilarious. So yeah, so welcome. Uh, we made it. We're a hundred episodes old. Um, what's the Jerry? What's the what does Janchi mean in Korean? Janchi means feast. So folks might or folks might or. Um, I'm sorry. I'm very sick, but not very sick. That was a terrible way. Um, <laughs> I'm not 100%, so my my uh, talking skills are not 100%. Danchi means feast. Um, I was going to ask if you had a reggaeton horn uh, when we were celebrating the 100th. <laughs> if no, not, we should upload one, one into the Zencaster Music Board. No, but the, this, this is like the anti-reggaeton <laughs> horn. Um, uh, Chanchi means feast. I think most people are familiar with the term. Which is a feast for the first birthday of a child um, in our Korean culture, but Tanchi just means feast. And so, um, yeah, you know, I'm also looking at um, the spreadsheet that we had filled out, um, collectively filled out, <laughs> sort of what we wanted the show to be like, um, proposed schedule, or, or guests that we wanted to have. And I think we got um, a lot of the people on here. Tom Bugansky from LA, Glenn, uh, Brandon Zagarski um, have been on the show. And, you know, I just think it's really, really fascinating and just nostalgic, but also uh, just, I don't know. I, I mean, to go back to your original question before we jumped into this short intro, it does feel like a long time ago. Edun, to hear you talk about the spreadsheet and all the stuff that we did. Oh, yeah. Makes me feel, it does feel like it wasn't 2020, like it was 2015 or something. Like we've been doing this for a long, long time. Well, um, but I mean, think about how, like, if that was, you know, July of 2020, we were like just living into quarantine. And I think that was probably the moment where, especially at least for me, like in the Midwest, a lot of people were like, oh, we're going to be here a while. Whereas maybe like some people would be like, I don't know, it's just be like a couple months and it'll all blow over or whatever. So I think people were like kind of leaning into this. We're going to be in this for a while. And so I think really that moment in time, it's not just two years ago. It's like a whole like mindset ago. And like the amount of change that's happened since then, I think is what makes it feel like massively different you know, for the the four of us because we have all had so much, so much change. But that's like right on the outer edge of life as we used to know it. And so I think that really leans into like, man, this is a long time ago. <laughs> I'm I also a little to, under the weather, so excuse my voice. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so, go back so, to, yeah, let's no, go no, back. No, we, we, we talked about the initial email. We talked about our, actually, we haven't talked about our Zoom meeting. Uh, we can talk about the Zoom meeting. But I, I want to know, in, in hindsight, um, and I don't think this is something that we talked about when in the first episodes of the show. I think we were still trying to get to know each other. And, you know, we were not looking at it uh, from a perspective of hindsight. Um, but I am really curious uh, to hear each of you why you said yes. What was it about what I had pitched or meeting each other? Or because y'all were in extremely different places in your adoptee identity journey, your Korean identity journey. Um, 
And I think I can say that equally about all three of you, even though, Patrick, you like to say you went from zero to some <laughs> number. Um, but I think, you know, that evolution or that growth has been present for everybody, including myself. Um, again, the world's changed a lot. There's been a lot of bad stuff that we've had to go through and a lot of growth and particularly in our uh, professional um, lives. Uh, two of you have moved. All four of us are doing uh, different things, either straight up professionally or in different capacities. And One so of us got married. Know, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there, there's just a lot. Um, but I, I want to take, you know, uh, take a moment to get back to sort of maybe we'll go uh, in, in again in our Korean tradition of deferring to the elders member of the crowd. Take me through what you remember about that July 14th phone call and why you said yes, Nathan. We're not ageist, Jerry, on the show. It, it is not. But, you <laughs> We're know, just age aware. OK, yeah, that was age aware, I, I think. I don't I don't listen to this show, so I don't know what you guys talk about. <laughs> Which is funny because in the early episodes we would regularly comment about like, oh yeah, Jerry, whatever he would like to do. I do listen, I do listen, I do listen. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then Jerry, like, I don't need to be here anymore. You guys got it. <laughs> yeah, I do listen. You know how I know you know I listen? Because you text us every once in a while with a question. <laughs> Roof. Roof. <laughs> Double so I talked about roof. that today, actually, with my wife. She agrees that we say it both ways, depending on how we're referencing it. But right. moving on from that, um, <laughs> <laughs> why did I why did I come on the show? Well, obviously, I didn't have a whole lot going on. Like you said, the pandemic was coming up. I was looking for something to do. I was already exploring my Korean adoption. Uh, it just I had already been on your show. Uh, funny enough, though, I really wasn't into podcasts. I was I was not an avid listener to any podcast, really. I had kind of dabbled in a few of them, but uh, I, I was a little skeptical about that. Um, but then I thought, oh, what's well, the pandemic? People are stuck at home. Maybe they will be listening. Maybe they will want something other than you know YouTube. I mean, because I don't think TikTok was very big back then. No, it was probably still called Musically. Yeah. But uh, so it was just kind of one of those things. I was like, oh, this seems like a good thing to help myself uh, kind of explore my adoption, which I was already kind of involved in, but also learn from, you know, KJ and Patrick because they were going to be doing it at the same time. And so I just thought it was a good idea as far as, as uh, exploring uh, our, our Korean adoption and our heritage and our culture. And, and of course, I like to eat. So. <laughs> I mean, that was probably like the, the prime show. directive. Was it like, oh, we're <laughs> doing snacks? Oh, wait, there's snacks? Okay, Tell oh, them yeah, we're going to do food? You, Perfect. You had me at snacks. <laughs> we did start off the show. Uh, I remember um, staying up super late with uh, Butcher Paper, wrapping each individual snack and numbering them so that we would have Oh, like, yeah. That is how we get the reaction of how y'all open, you know. And <laughs> yeah. That, that was not that was sustainable. You. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah shoot. Yeah, you'd be like, open number four. I'm like, what's behind (laughs) number four? Yeah, amazing. It was a really easy way to make sure we all had the same snack at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of work goes behind the the scenes here, people. Yeah, for as unbuttoned as we publicly appear, there was a lot of thought initially in creating the show. Very true, very true. KJ, what did you think of that first meeting? Um, I remember being interested uh the reason i said yes was because i was already started thinking of starting my own podcast and i was like well jerry wants to like use his expertise and also like throw in some cash 
like great. <laughs> it's like less stuff that I have to pay for in terms of like, cause I was like, I was already in the logistics of like, how do we distribute a podcast? What, how much does it cost? What about ads? You know, all those kinds of things. So like in a very like legitimately just kind of like business logistics sense, I was like, well, yeah, if he is open to hosting this and like he and I are aligned, um, I I'm good with it. Uh, and I'm, I'm good with, with doing it. But also, I mean, I think, I don't remember. So, uh, Jerry, I think you might've stepped away, but I, I went back and started listening to my original episode with you on Dear Asian Americans. And I wish I remembered specifically, like, I mean, I, I listened to a couple episodes and, and heard some things, but I think, um, what you had done, uh, in terms of like kind of cultivating diverse stories, even within like a very nuanced, like here's a bunch of Korean adoptees, but like they're adoptees that need to understand, like be part of like a broader Asian American story and things like that. Like, I don't know. I, I think I just sense some type of like missional alignment with you. Then I was like, not only are you like willing to be like, yeah, okay, like let's do this thing, but like just in how you ran your show. And I think you were one of the earliest people to say yes, uh, your story matters in a, in a profound way. And I was like, all right, I'm here for it. Um, and I think that just, just knowing that and like kind of trusting that initial bit of conversation, because I think we might've already filmed our episode together. Um, I was like, you know what? I'm down to meet anyone that is friends with Jerry. Uh, and so I think that ultimately I was like, I think that we, I found a kindred spirit. I'm happy to, to latch onto that. And also if it helps some of the logistics then like, let's go for it. I think I I liked hearing you say that because I think I had a similar yes or to why I said yes. Um, as everyone probably knows, I was very much new into every single aspect of what I was trying to explore at that time. And, you know, meeting and connecting with Jerry and then ending up on Dear Asian Americans happened so quickly. From the moment I, like, watched Always Be My Maybe, like, that day, following that day, like, that, like everything kicking off, happens so fast and i think one of the reasons i or the main reason i said yes was because i felt safe with jerry and like what like you said like the care that he had already put into crafting you know the the different diverse and unique voices that he's had on his show and then extending that offer to me somebody who had no business coming on to being a guest on that show <laughs> um well, I think it was like, you know, one of the first times feeling validated. Talking talking about podcast movement, we had one of the people who was watching our uh, panel come up to us afterwards and have that same, you know, realization, that same epiphany of being seen for the very first time. And I think because Jerry was very gracious with his time with me and took me under his wing to and allowed me to come onto the show uh, was one of the reasons I was able to say yes, because... I'm going through and I'm, tr I'm learning so much, so many different things and exploring so many new things at once. You know, it wasn't that I was saying yes to everything, but it was like, I was really wanting to find a way to lean in. And because I had felt safety with you, Jerry, I think that was, that's what made it easier for me to say yes. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> Nathan? <laughs> Oh, because he's on my chat. Oh, <laughs> I got that blocked. I can't see that. <laughs> oh yeah you know and, and for me um nobody's asked me this but um I, I think people sometimes ask like why do you care about the adoptee narrative people i think sometimes assume i am an adoptee as well because we have this show and um i 
I am rather vocal about, uh, you know, just advocating for uh, the adoptee community, specifically the Korean American adoptee community, and then how we can be better. Um, you know, I still remember, and you know, I don't want to speak for my entire generation of folks or you know people in my boat. I, I think for me, you know, um, particularly in college, I, I think college was the first time I met an actual Korean adoptee. And I just remember I wasn't the most open and inclusive person to that person. So I was a part of um, the Korean Student Association, uh, the college club um, on campus. And so, you know, the majority of us were either Southern California, you know, raised in in very Korean pockets, or we had this very specific version of what Korean American identity meant, um, whether it was through our uh, shared taste of music or our drinking habits, or at least just culture. And I think the majority of the people who were Korean adopt or Korean Americans from uh, Southern California, at least, were very in tune with their Korean culture. Uh, we were much younger in our immigration age. We were either, you know, uh, 1.5 or, uh, you know, early second generation. And so I think we had a very uh, unknowingly, and we probably didn't even have the um, language for, but we had a very specific definition of what Korean American was supposed to mean. And we gate kept that a lot. And so what then happened in, in retrospect, and this is 20 plus years later, you know, those folks who did not fit our definition of what it meant to party, what it meant to have fun, you know, how to speak to each other and just talk about music and growing up, they just stopped showing up to the club and we're just like, oh, whatever. They, you know, not for them. Um, without ever thinking about like, did we do a good enough of a job to make this place where uh, they could have felt welcome? And it didn't take, it took me even longer to realize how brave, how bold, whatever adjective we want to use here, like what it could have taken that person to finally put themselves in a Korean room for a bunch of assholes like me to be like subtly, yeah, you're not Korean enough. So you either, and, and you have no idea or no way of, trying to bridge that gap between what our definition of a Korean American is and where you are today. And so, you know, we're just not going to change the way we are. And, and then unfairly, I don't think that that person, I'm not just talking to, you know, I am actually thinking about one particular person, but I, I don't think anybody in that position would have been able to jump into our culture without constantly either being uh, explicitly or implicitly feel like they didn't belong because they just wouldn't know some of the customs or we would just, you know, um, point it out all the time. And so I, I had this, and it wasn't like, you know, I, you know, when I start a podcasting company, this is what I want to do. Um, <laughs> you know, You're saying starting a Korean, a Korean adoptive yeah. podcast is not the end all be all. Of no. <laughs> Dear, Amer Dear Americans, it's just their whole ruse. Janchi show was the, was, was the, the end game. The Janchi show was the goal. Yes, that was the, the truth. The Asian no, Americans is merely Infinity War. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, and, and I think I told you this too, Nathan. Like, I, I you know, you were, I think, 20-something uh, episode count-wise. And, and that was at a time where I, I was just, you know, heads down and just going nuts at this stuff. So um, we were doing ridiculous volume. But, you know, I think you were only 20-something because we had to reschedule a couple times because of kids. And. Um, to me, it was important to get an adoptee voice in the show as soon as I could. And then KJ just cold, cold applied to the show. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And 
uh, and then, you know, Patrick found me through Jonathan or, or you know, so like, I, I think as I went through that, and I think if we actually check the timeline, um, like you said, Patrick, like all this stuff happened very quickly. And we may have actually talked on the 12th or the 13th when I sent that email out and it was just like, boom, boom, boom. I, I am really grateful that you guys said yes. But for my, my reason of why I asked the question in the first place uh, does not come from a place of guilt, but it comes from a place of opportunity that I think we can use this medium that I thought that we could use this medium to get stories out and get it into the ears of people through my network and through others, because adoptees make up 5% of Korean America. So loose numbers, 100,000 out of 2 million, right? And so that's just like very, very similar to Asians in America, mm -hmm. right? And, and thinking about how much we fight for uh, voice and representation and our place in rooms while we're six ish percent of america and yet if we superimpose that to the korean community here in america adoptees are about the same number and the adoptee voice within the korean american community is not at all similar levels of the loudness that we expect of ourselves and a lot of that a hundred percent of that falls on us the non-adoptees because we control still the social clubs the community groups um, even what culture is the student clubs the churches um, all of these things. And so it was my hope that we would be able to make new friends, but also to help all of us redefine and continue to reshape what current America could mean. And, and in doing so, uh, and again, this has nothing to do with you three. You guys were the first three to come on the show. Um, I just happened to pick three dudes and I am a dude, uh, which I mean, I heard this recently from one of y'all that like, that's actually a very, much appreciated part of the show because much yeah. of the the cat community yeah, unbeknownst to the yeah. four of us yeah. Yeah. i was like oh my god we're gonna mansplain adoption shit and then it's like no we want men to speak more and so like that was my why and and maybe you know the three of you probably knew that about me and then why i feel so passionate about it but for those of you that are listening that are um uh you know uh, fans of the show and uh shout out to chris hertz from linkedin who just emailed me um yes. Uh, this week about how much of an impact that the show has had on his life. James hurt. I'm so sorry, James. Like we see the numbers, but we don't know who's actually listening. And so mm -hmm. uh, to, to have gotten that note this week ahead of our recording um, meant a lot that, you know, we're literally changing lives. Um, I know of another person in San Francisco who was inspired by your conversations at three of you to start his birth search. And he is, I think, uh, has spent the summer going to Korea to meet his birth mother. Wow. Um, and so silly, you know, silly idea in my head. Y'all said yes. And, um, and you know, we're not trying to make any of us individually or the show sound more important or anything else. But um, objectively, like this show has changed lives. And, and no greater honor for me to say, you know, thank you to all of you for letting me a part of this journey. Um, the last time I was officially on the show was for another drinking episode. Um, <laughs> Imagine that. It was like a hundred episodes <laughs> ago. <laughs> that, was a, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, aside from special occasions like this, it's also not my my place to, you know, to speak for or, you know. So, anyway. Um, when we know how to get you on the show, we just say, hey, we're going to be drinking. And then you'll show up. And then, and then dummy, dummy catches COVID so he can't drink anyway. <laughs> play, play that sad trombone. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking uh, of, actually... 
I had I actually had a question. I, I, <laughs> now it sounds like it's to Nathan having a That's question. That's fine. Well, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> it's okay. You can't what, fix uh, it in post. <laughs> Jerry, did you actually did you have any other Korean adoptees on your show since us? Yeah, Dan. Oh, well, Dan, yeah. Liz. I mean, we had Dan on what? our show, too. It's just like, oh, Liz, okay. yeah. Dan and Liz. Yeah, these two uh, very so high-profile names. Yes. Sujin on a panel. Um, <laughs> okay. Then Sarah adjacent. Right. Subject matter. Yeah, expert. Sarah's adoptee um, adjacent. She's not herself an adoptee. Okay. Yeah, I just, I couldn't remember, because I know you've had a lot of episodes, and and uh, just hadn't uh But y'all catching remembered. up, man. I missed a couple of weeks, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. The boys are catching up. Yeah, it's wild true. to think that we really did go for a solid year and a quarter, no break, yeah. Yeah. Um, from at least one aspect of the show. And honestly, I was looking through just the number of guests and the list of different people that we've had on the show. And I think to your point, Jerry, about you know why you do what you do on Dear Asian Americans, you know, I think... We really, when Diana Albrecht came on the show, uh, I think um, we were really like, okay, we want to be more intentional about the diversity that we bring on to expose or to show from our own community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, I don't know, it's, it, 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 it's just... It blow, it's mind-blowing to me. I can't even speak correctly currently. Um, to think about all of the opportunities that we've had to share those types of stories, but just even not even to share them, but to be for someone to say, Hey, I want to come talk to you three and just, and just, uh, spill, you know, intimate, <laughs> deep secrets of uh, what's going on in my life in this, in this uh, journey of identity that I'm on. And I think that that's one of the biggest things I've taken away from the show is like the, just the ridiculous amount of privilege that we have to be able to have those types of conversations because like for somebody to even share a little bit of their own life in any way is like, okay, that was cool that you did that. And mm -hmm. so many different people have come on our show and gotten real or made me cry, <laughs> which has probably happened more often than anybody else has cried. But I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about time. was just how different the people that we've had on the show um have been and just the opportunity and privilege that it's been to be able to do that yeah i think it's been really interesting too because like we came alive as a show and our, i think like the adoptee community broadly is getting activated to i mean like we're standing up for like intersectionality within our own communities at the same time that like maybe Asian America is being like, yeah, so what does it mean to be intersectional in our identities? Because this, this label of Asian American is old enough now to handle some intersectional conversations and old enough now to handle. So like, what, what if we actually de-aggregate this umbrella term and what does that do to our stories and how do we still work together as a community, even while celebrating those things that make us uniquely Pacific Islander or Hmong or Korean or Japanese or, you know, Thai or whatever that is. And I, I think like, it's been nice to, to come along at this time. Um, like I finally finished rise. Not finally. I, I blew through that thing, but, um, but like, 
and I, I got like, there's just like little bits of peppering of like, oh, Dan Matthews, a Korean adoptee or um, like whomever, like certain people, they'll just add an adoptee tag, which I think is really important for visibility that like as Asian Americans are more broadly becoming more intersectional, like there is naturally more space for us. And at the same time, I think adoptees are finding their voices. And I think the thing that was so powerful for me and the, the great privilege of this show and why we'll always have guests on the show is like, Jerry, you were the first person to say like, yes to my story. And I was like, I don't know, I'm applying. I don't like have anything cool really to say. I'm not like doing anything crazy. I'm like a basic ass worship leader in the Midwest. Um, Like there's no reason, there's no like draw. There's no draw for me uh, as a guest of the show besides maybe the fact that I add a different like take to being Asian American. Um, but now, like, we've had so many adoptees who I'm like, I don't, like, even in their application, they're like, I don't know, I'm just, like, a high school teacher, but, like, you guys seem fun, and I want to share my story because, like, sharing stories matters. And so, like, it's been, it will always be a privilege for me to be able to say, like, yes, come on the show and to have guests because, like, if it's their first yes, who knows how many yeses they can give down the line. And to your earlier point, Jerry, about just being like, I mean, like, we may not have in our younger years or just previously, like in history, we may not have been able to handle some of this intersectionality, but now we can. And now, like, I w- we want to do our best to continue to amplify and continue to um, to center, like, these other voices and these other points of view um, that I think are, are really wonderful and important to add a, a compelling, rich narrative to what is Asian America, what is... Um, adopted America, what is essentially just America, you know? I mean, I think that's a, um, thank you both, first of all, for um, all the nice things that you're saying. Um, a, a few thoughts. I think when, when we fight against the myth of the monolith mm-hmm. uh, narrative, then the question becomes, then what are you? Right? Mm-hmm. If you're not just Korean and Chinese dudes, then what are you? Then we almost... We, we didn't plan for this, obviously, because as, as we've shared, the, the genesis of the show was pure serendipity. But we met the moment when the community internally and externally started to ask questions of, then what the hell are you if you're not yeah. just the singular narrative monolithic community? And, and so that's where I think we've had a lot of, um, I think, objectively success in growing the show, or at least the stamina or the momentum to continue on the show. I think that's where also we've done uh, spectacularly well. 100% gratitude to the people who listen and who have built our community for us. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about it, but like, who the hell does what we do? And, and you know, tr- transparency. Like at the time, we were at about 100 listens a week uh, per episode. And we if we break three digits, we got really excited. And so we were really unsure if we could pull off an in-person thing. And like 30 plus people showed up and like that's... 30% oh, when we did of our, our first listener live show? Base. Yeah. And like, yeah, we were like, you know, I don't know how many people are going to show like, up. <laughs> people don't, it doesn't make any sense from, you know, from yeah. a business perspective, right? But KJ, I, I do want to go back to what you said. Um, there, there was something that you wrote in your initial uh, application or your guest intake form, which you probably have no idea what you wrote, but doing the deep um, cuts. No, but this I is a straight I, up deep cut. Yeah, it is. Is it? Uh, yeah. But, I don't remember what I wrote in my application but, to be on the two Americans. and a half years ago, but you, you, you said, um, you said being adopted and disabled, my sense of identity and their hierarchies is really odd. I have always felt like, and you put this in quotes, not enough, not Asian Korean enough, not disabled enough, not POC enough, not whole enough. And reading that, I, I distinctly remember, um, that got me angry. Mm-hmm. 
because I used to be that person that made other people feel not enough. And I was like, well, fuck that. Why am I building this show if I'm not going to have somebody like this on the show, if not for anything to make him feel enough, perhaps for the first time? And that doesn't come from this sort of like, you know, I have the power, but like, why the hell do I build a stage if I'm not going to have people who want to share their story? And again, I think that's when I was like, I wonder what the hell it took for this guy to write me. Like, right? Like, because, you know, this was also in the beginning where I was doing more of the asking of people to come on the show, Mm -hmm. um, as as most early podcasts do. And then the people who would volunteer themselves were generally uh, pleasy self-promotion people that were, you know, like... (laughs) 22 yep. year old life coaches or, or a basic people who ass to... worship leader from Springfield. I, and I was like, look, this guy doesn't No, but that's the that other part though, man. Like, yeah, you like, didn't have you're stuff coming to from sell. Middle of, yeah, middle of America. You just wanted <laughs> to share your story without yeah. like, yo, I got this new album dropping, like, you know. Um every I don't get these anymore, thank God, but I got so many emails. I'm an up and coming rapper and I'm inspired by the stop agent hate movement. So I got this track and you know. Uh, so I looked at their like catalog and like, they've never rapped about the culture except, you know, except they're doing now. this or like, yeah. you know, somebody wants to sell a t-shirt and donate 5% of profits, which is like three cents to a <laughs> cop. You know, I used to get a lot of those. And then, you know, here, here was this guy who, who's, who's, whose life I don't fundamentally understand. Right. And, and all the intersectionalities of your identity versus mine. And he wants, like, he voluntarily, voluntarily wants to come on the show. And I was like, who the hell am I to say no? And, you know, and, and, Perhaps for y'all, um, trying to balance that of guest selection of truly believing everybody's story matters, but yet you have to produce and craft a show and to also, um, you know, make it into a business of sorts or as a partnership to have it make sense, right? Like, um, so on the topic of guests, um, we'll do like a quick flash round of short answers and why. Um, and we'll start to youngest to oldest. Who would you have? Who would you want to re-interview on the show, and why? Patrick, go. Oh, KJ's younger than me. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, you went the way. Mentally, you're the youngest. Wow. I think <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> when I said earlier, when, when I, when our, well, got our, him. Our, our first question. You went last, though. Yeah, he did. That's true. He, he I did go last. <laughs> Man, that's a tough question. Uh, that's a really tough question. Um, actually, I would have, and I don't know, maybe this is because I was just about to re-listen this episode, but uh, one of the ones I've really, really enjoyed and learned a lot from was J-Ron's episode. Um, I would love to have her come back on because she's published a few new things since we've had her on previously, and she was the first person to say, I believe, um to tell us that we what we were doing is three straight men talking mm-hmm. about these types of things with adoption um was important and i think that was one of the first times i really really realized like what we were doing with the show mattered beyond what we initially thought was the reason we were doing it or at least my initial reasoning um and kind of propelled me further not only down like the academic and scholastic side of understanding, but um, like really wanting to to explore and unpack those parts of myself and my identity. So what I just and we had a great food part with J Ron too. So <laughs> would love to co- have her come back on, do a, a follow up ramen, and yeah, another conversation with her. Nathan, Nathan? go. <laughs> oh, 
We're going we're in reverse. Flipping it around. We're no, flipping we're not. it around. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, it's been so many great uh, interviews, so many great guests. Uh, I, I mean, I always, you know, now that I know, I guess a little bit in person, <laughs> Jennifer Patel. It's kind of nice to to know her and her story. Um, I saw her at Con just uh, you know just a couple months ago, and I really, you know. I was busy. She was in the seminars. I really wanted to talk more. Um, so I think that's in, you know, a general thing that I would like to do is, is have her on the show and talk just more about what she's been. I mean, she's had, you know, she's uh, got two more kids now, uh, twins, you know, since then she's got uh, um, a lot to tell, I think. And uh, just, I really loved her personality. And uh, um, so something like that, you know, those are the kind of guests that I get along with more so than I think than, than uh, as much as J Ron was great too. Uh, but I really like the the uh, um, you know the, the I don't know the, the stories that I'm like relating to now because of parenthood and things like that. Sure. Um, but I really like uh, you know I mean additional to like J Ron the Joy uh, you know Lieberthal Roll, even Glenn Moray. Uh, I mean, there's so many people that have some some so much to tell and they're doing so much currently uh that it's it's like their stories are always changing because they keep adding more things and doing more things and so it's always great to to learn about what the what's happening there so um yeah th- those would probably be my my favorites i don't know i'm i'm i keep like i would have almost everyone back on the show because i know that there's so much more to tell and but I think actually, so they're like, again, I come back to this, this thing of intersectionality. And I think it's because like partially in our earlier year, <laughs> I guess years um, of doing the show, I know like we were so focused on like, because the show was born out of like Jerry, you doing this thing. But also I think for us, for the three of us, it was also like very of the moment of um, post George Floyd and self racialization post mask mandate and COVID and like the idea that it comes from China and you know, all those things. And like, so like, just like just this hyper self-racialization, I think Glenn would be um, a great person to have back on the show because he gave me the words self-racialization in a way that was so important. But I think that there are, there's just been a couple of um, interviews that have like given me specific language. And I'm like, I need to know more about this. Um, and there are no, there have been a number of uh, adoptees who have come on who have identified also as part of um, the queer community, and I I think because we're so adoptee focused, we haven't uh, had enough practice essentially at like really sitting in that intersection, uh, and I think that that's really important. And I like essentially we need more at bats, but also like because we like we have these relationships I'd li- I'd love to have them back on and really be able to to hone in on some of those things um obviously the academics and the writers like have lots more to say and but they have you know probably some of it written down <laughs> um where we can like we can go back and and have some of that um but yeah I think that just specifically any of the any of the guests who've given me language or any of the guests who uh do have the additional intersection of being part of the queer community I think like those are are two opportunities that I think um, we might have like fallen, not fallen short, but just essentially run out of time uh, to have them back. The one exception being Sujin Pate, because I know that her story extends significantly further beyond what we were able to get into. And she was our very first guest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like, I know that her story extends so much further uh, than what we were able to get into on episode four. And I, I do want to hear like the rest of that. Um, but yeah, also maybe our 
wives now um because even as as i was saying like <laughs> hey i'm getting ready to do this show so was like i'm so proud of you and your journey i'm like i'd love to hear what you think like how, what you've experienced of this journey and and those kinds of things you know um so yeah so that's that's my short answer for saying almost may I my su- long answer for saying almost everyone so uh, you said everyone. may i suggest a new format like you did when you guys did the uh, one person takes a week off and I'm going to say it on the air so that we have to do it. Is I'm going to say we one, don't have to do it, but go ahead. No, and but I think it'd be fun. <laughs> if, I, I think it'd be fun if we dedicated three weeks to um, each of you gentlemen taking a week off, being replaced by your your partner, so that the other two can have the conversation <laughs> about. That could be fun. Yeah, because I, I think we it's have to get you our know, partners to agree to that first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll be difficult. I don't know. I Allison think I might be still fun. regrets I, I think, some of the things she said. <laughs> what? Hey, that was I tw- loved having Allison on the show. Yeah, it was so too. fun. I was like, I need to meet her in real life. Same. <laughs> All right, another question. Um, I think professionally this has, uh, being on the show, ha- has opened some opportunities for some of y'all um, in both side gigs, doing a whole bunch of stuff for me, which I'm very grateful for, or... Or, or being inspired to, you know, take on new endeavors. And I, I think, you know, that's cool. I, I want to hear from you all the coolest personal life change that's happened um, and, and put it into the lens specifically, like you said, KJ. Um, what does somebody close to you in your life have observed about the change that you've gone through since coming on the show? We're at minute 40, so we're going to ask the really tough questions now. And if you're just listening to the show, everybody's <laughs> drawing a blank. Um, oh, no, I thought you said KJ was going first. No, 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 no KJ, said, KJ mentioned he, like, hey, Sarah was, said, you know, Sarah told KJ to them, very proud of you. And and that's meant a lot. And, you know, whether it's your 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 partners, your children for one of you, Nathan, or your your parents or friends, you know, because we, we live in sort of a, a bubble on the show, right? We um, The three of you at least talk to each other. We don't bring in those voices. We bring in other members of the CAD community. Um, but what are some of the conversations that we don't get to hear on the show weekly that makes you, that's made you cry or that's made you get really some sort of emotion that's evoked the most emotion out of you about being on this journey? Because I think, you know, the professional stuff, the coming to LA and then getting an award from the Korean American, like those are all super duper cool. But, um, you know, the, the personal journey I think is very curious for me. Good question. Um, one thing on a similar, I mean, on that note, uh, my son walks into my room every day and looks down at the big pile of snacks that I have here and goes, have you eaten that one yet? Have you eaten that one yet? Have you eaten that one yet? He's just waiting for me to tell him which ones I've eaten so that he can try it now because it's open. <laughs> so, but uh, so there's a personal story for you. But um, in addition to that, I have to say that I have gotten a lot of uh, you know similar emails like like uh, you were saying earlier from James. Uh, about uh, how our show has touched uh, the lives of other people. And some of them have been friends of mine. We just got one actually from Kevin Etheridge. uh, And uh, he just was talking about how much he appreciates the show and, you know, opening the, his eyes to a lot of, uh, you know, topics and, uh, you know, culture and stuff like that. So uh, my cousin has talked to me, uh, you know, he's uh, been a, a listener and followers since the beginning as well. 
Um, my, of course, you know, just hearing feedback from my parents and, you know, it's, we always joke about, well, my parents, you know, said this about me and they, they, you know, they're so proud and this and that, you know, and you always go, yeah, they say that just because they're your parents. But, you know, there's, you can feel a, a, a bit of sincerity uh, from them when they talk about the show and about a topic or about, um, you know, what I've been doing. They appreciate uh, that that I'm doing it because I want to do it and I'm not being forced. I'm not, you know, not I'm not getting all mad about it, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like opening my eyes to this new world that they, uh, you know, unfortunately didn't help open my eyes to early on. And, uh, um, I think they, they really like to see that, you know, and so they're, they're very proud of what we've done and also what we've done, uh, you know, for the lives of other people. So those things have really, really touched me. You, you want me to go? Sure. <clears throat> All right. I'm probably going to get emotional. Um, Bring it on. Do you want me to like play some dramatic no, piano? No, 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 no. Please don't. <clears throat> um, so I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but uh, my grandma passed away recently. And um, in May, so this show, being part of this has, like Jerry said, opened up so many opportunities for me outside of what I do professionally, what I do with the show. And in May, Jerry was kind enough to invite me onto the speaking tour with him. And um, I got to speak at a school in Indiana. And after I was done speaking, <laughs> we were Jerry and I were walking and I was like, man, I was like, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, every time I get up and do something like that, my stomach cramps up and like physically hurts me. And he goes, and he goes, if you're going to start speaking, you can't let that happen. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> so was, that was in my mind. And all through the rest of this week, and at the end of the week, we were in New York, and we did um, the night market, and he oh, graciously allowed me to MC that event. And I talked about this part, that I felt all of the rejection, or not, maybe not all the rejection, but I felt this the weight of not being enough leave my body, like literally mid- uh, introducing the event and it was like literally it was probably the, it was probably the very first time that I felt like okay I'm I've here I've made it to where I've been trying to get to for 32 years and this was around the same time that my grandma's health started to decline um and the reason I bring that up is because my grandma and I are extremely close and she always been there to take care of me and I think through my whole life I've been a wanderer I've been really without direction and I think she always saw that and it worried her that she couldn't go without knowing that I would be okay going forward and I don't I don't know that's just what that's just how I felt because of the timing of it was just too it was just too uncanny to not be anything else um and just since May like my life has taken off in ways I never could have imagined. And I'm doing things I never would have thought that I would ever do. And unfortunately, it's coincided with this loss. But also, I feel like I gain a little bit of peace because, <clears throat> because I, I think she saw, she's like, okay, he's got it. He's got it and he can take care of himself. And I think <laughs> and I think that's that's what happened. And so when I think about 
what has the show done for me personally? It's literally changed my life in such a way that it would allow me to experience such a profound and great loss and be able to pull the beauty and see the reasoning reasoning behind it out of that grief. And, you know, we talk a lot about dealing with grief as adoptees and always trying to walk that, that, that fine line, you know, of being of the positives experiences you can have with adoption and also the, just the trauma that you have to endure. And I think it really kind of encapsulated my whole journey, um, all of this happening. And so the funny thing is like, we, we didn't talk a lot about all of this stuff, her and I, you know, I think it was just this, the connection that we've always had, just, just the understanding that it's was going to be fine. Um, and so, yeah, that's my, that's my whole thing with the show. And like, if I never would have started the show, I never wouldn't be at this point right now. If I wouldn't have said yes to coming on the show, I would not be where I'm at now and be able to do these things. So, yeah. So I did get a little emotional. I'm getting back now. I'm back to it. <laughs> it's coming down. Yeah, coming that was tough. That, it's been tough. It's been tough. Um, but because of the show and because of the community, that's I've been able to become a part of because of the show. Um, it's made it a lot, lot easier. And I literally can't say enough thank yous and list off enough names of the people who reached out or just sent me love and support uh, over this past month or so. Uh, it's really meant a lot to me. I love that. I love that you had a, 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 like a visceral moment experientially of being like, I felt the weight of being not enough leave my body um and and yeah i mean like just from from my perspective like yeah your life is fun i mean it's taken like a, a massive curveball trajectory <laughs> to maybe get to where where it's always been going but like it's just been like i think yours of the the three of us four of us maybe um like your journey has been like the most like quote unquote easy to track Maybe because you live your life out loud. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's but like, very true. Just like, but just like, I mean, just just the, the, the trajectory of it. You know, like you you just see it, and you and I, and I I can't help but feel excited for you. And I think that that is absolutely lovely. Um, for for my own sake, it's it's pretty similar to yours, actually, Patrick, but a lot more subtle. Um, it's not like I don't know. I remember. <laughs> I, I remember this. I don't even know really properly how to describe it. I remember this one time in college. I stepped out of my dorm as a sophomore, stepped out of my dorm and onto like the sidewalk. And I was just like, that's it. I'm done now. I've like, I have reached full maturity. I don't know. Like that was like a really visceral moment <laughs> um, where I'm like, my brain is done. I'm not going to get any, like this is, I'm an adult. Um, but for this idea of Korean enough, Asian enough, whatever enough, um, that's been a real slow burn. And so it's not been a really like, it's not been a visceral experience, but looking back and listening to how I talked about myself uh, in the Dear Asian Americans podcast in the first three episodes of our show, like it's, I am a, a wholly different person than, than I am now, but it's really subtle. Um, it's subtle in the ways that like when I, even though somehow for some reason I'm still working for a freaking church, um, like this is the first time when I like stepped in and it was like, I realized that I am one of two, one of three people of color on staff 
in a way that like when I got hired previously, I was just like, I don't know. It's the first time that I've stepped onto a staff and been like, I know that I am the only disabled person on the staff and that those things matter and that those things bear weight. Um, and that it is like, it's a very, you know, it's a, it, the space is what it is. Um, but me being who I am, like I'm able to step into more closely the fullness. I'm not done. I'm still reading philosophy. I'm still uncovering and and trying to understand like the fullness of who I am as a person and like doing a lot of self-introspection. So I'm not quite there yet where I feel like I have entered into all of me, but I'm like 80% of the way there, maybe 90%. And those, like all of these things really matter and are really important to me. And the way that I speak to people, especially young people, um, and like counsel them and be like, oh, I don't know, I'm in college, what do I do with my life or whatever? Like, and especially like there's two people who, who stick out of my mind. One um, who is queer and the other who is a woman and she wants to be a woman in ministry, right? And the way that I have counseled them is so different now having been on this journey, I'm like you are stepping into these spaces as a minority and that, but like these spaces need your voice and that like would not have been possible without the John Chi show, without like Jerry and I's relationship and like our relationship between the three of us and kind of all these things. And so, yeah, so I think it is like, like I, you know, I, I guess in summation, I left Texas, um, just like a what I don't know, like a basic white guy in an Asian body, and returned like fully racialized, fully, if not like politically activated, like certainly politically curious. Um, but like I and like fully disabled. Like most of my TikTok stuff is about disability. Like that that's a new thing that I've been able to like think through and be like I'm a, I'm allowed to, you know. And even like for sure, even Your cooking one I, by the way was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. I loved I loved that. But like, even that choice, like that's a really small choice of like, yeah. like our, my family had like things you could just like turn over and do that. Well, I don't want that. But I was like, oh, I love fresh ground pepper and it's like impossible <laughs> to do with my freaking hand. But now we have a world where you can just push a button and it'll, you know, grind for me. But like those kinds of things. But I like for me, I was like, oh, this is a disability issue. It wasn't just like a me whining about myself. And even in even in moments where I find that my language falls short, like I, I decided to just like blow up NBC Asia, Asian Americans, like latest post about some person who was like a quote unquote identifying as transracial, quote unquote, whatever, wanted mm. to be Korean. And I was like, trans, this is not the same situation. Like this is specifically an adoptee thing and whatever. And what what's happening here is just like really elaborate yellow face and crap. And then someone in the comments was like, oh, yeah, transgender, transracial, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, it's not the same thing. But right now, my language, I, I can't articulate why it's not the same thing. I just know that it's not the same thing. So like, but that doesn't like, I'm, I don't have an issue with that anymore. Whereas before I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, whatever. <laughs> but like, no, I know this in my bones. I know that yeah. I'm right. Even if I don't, even if it takes a minute for my language to catch up. Like there's, there's a level I've just reached a new level of like being me, being Asian in the world, being disabled in the world, whatever. Um, that, yeah, I think that like that is, it's really hard to quantify um, and to like say out loud. Or, I mean, not for you, Patrick, obviously, but for me, it's hard to get out loud, but like it's, it's there and it really, really matters to me. So yeah, I think that's like a big, big change. I loved how you've leaned into it though. I mean, just with, you know, those comments there. And then, you know, talking about Christianity on the solo episode. Um, I, th I think 
yeah, I was actually Jerry when he read your uh, thing about uh, uh, your your guest form about if you feel enough of this, and I I would be curious to say that you I think have changed that you do feel enough because you know it's two years of of uh, you know everything that we've done. So I, I think we all do. I think yeah, no less eloquent though. Still very eloquent. Thanks, guys, for mm. sharing the, all, all of that. Um, make, makes me feel very, I don't know what the perfect word is, but just happy. Proud in a fatherly way. <laughs> Podcast dad. Do we do the white American thing where this is like your 18th birthday and I don't know you tomorrow or have to be responsible no, for you this tomorrow? No, this is the, uh, <laughs> this is the like the 100 day celebration mixed with a bit of doljanchi. It took like two plus years, man. That was a long time. So, well, it's a 100 episode celebration, okay? <laughs> it's not, it's not a perfect analog. I'm still figuring out what it means to be Korean, okay? Sue me. Blame, blame, blame the guy. Well, um, yeah, where's our party? This is a hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not even going to Dallas, so oops. Uh, uh, we're at a hundred. I mean, and objectively, it's a big FN deal. So I want to say thank you to you guys um, for the momentum that was created, the discipline that was built, the structures and the processes that were formed and, and um, just for getting to our point that we can have a hundred episodes show. Um, most shows don't make it this far. Uh, most shows don't have the impact that we have had objectively. And um, we don't make a lot of money on this show. We barely make any money on the show. It is not anybody's full-time jobs uh, to make the show, but, um, obviously it has more to do with, uh, the identity and the community and the, and the passion than just three friends having a good time every week. But, um, I, if I, if I haven't said it enough to you guys, thank you, uh, for, uh, continuing to keep the party going. Uh, and I mean that in all the puns intended way and for, you know, um, encouraging each other along the way and um you know I, I think we've had some uh tough conversations along the way and sort of mirror conversations of where are we where do we want to go and uh to put four people three and a half uh i'll be the <laughs> half here um <laughs> people who live in four different uh parts of the country with four different lives to say that this is important when so much is happening in the world in our personal and just in life and Again, this this was never intended to retire anybody, but um, you know, so this has become a priority for many, uh, for all of you. Um, while there's been so much going on, and so I, I am so grateful that we've gotten to this point, and uh, we would not be here uh, foremost without your partners allowing y'all to spend so much time uh, with each other and, and away from important duties. And so, um, to Emily, Allison, and Sarah, thank you. Uh, for for letting the boys uh, partake in this journey, um, to all the guests who've come on the show, um, your time and your stories are more valuable than anything that you can share with us. And so, um, and I know that many of you have shared stories on the show with us uh, that you have not uh, shared before with anybody, and perhaps may never share with anybody. And and then we don't take that responsibility and honor lightly. Um, and to the people who listen, um, in particular, the people who have uh, financially supported the show through merch purchases, through 
coming to the live to uh, buying us a coffee, uh, the Instagram engagement, um, everything. Um, and one of those who turned into a team member of ours uh, for a while, making our social media more robust and more engaging, Katie Gagel. Thank you so much for your involvement. And and I got to say, even again, as somebody who's not a creative adoptee, um, I've gained so many friends and supporters along the way and uh, feeling the love and the gratitude that exists in a way that I will never personally truly understand, but I, I am grateful for that. Um, let's look to the future. Um, and again, uh, at 100, it's a nice point to pause and to reflect and go, okay, you know, um, what does 200 look like? What does 101 look like? Nathan, we were joking, uh, Patrick and I, when we were in Dallas, that starting with episode 101, we were going to be purely ageist on the show. <laughs> and that it would be... Prepare yourself. We were just going to rename the show Nathan Young and the Boys. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. To, to completely change the tone of, of our uh, not ageist chanty show, but it's uh, Nathan Young's party. Um, Good. Hopefully I, I am, I'm retired by number 200 then. <laughs> I, I, I am... You know, and then we've talked about it, you know, perhaps uh, at least with each other and maybe, you know, some um, hints and uh, just the feelings associated with the show. What does success look like for you when it comes to the Chanchi show? Um, you know, we, we didn't start this again. I, I think the, the whole point was to give a voice to the Korean American Adoptee community. We have done that through a show that is co-hosted by three men having a variety of guests cycle through the show. And again, I'm not holding... Uh, anybody's feet to the fire here, but it, I think it's a nice point to just reflect on what where we've come, but also look forward to how we want the impact of Chanchi to live on. I feel it on my show. There have been certainly many, many, many times, and uh, KJ and Patrick have uh, edited enough episodes for me and have seen the gaps in my release schedules to know where I've hit walls and where I've gotten pissed and tired and just you know about to give up. And and you know, yes, it is my business, but you know, even when it is a business, sometimes you don't have the will to press upload again. And really, it is the people who say all the nice things that um, about the impact of the conversation of that one episode. And we, we've chosen to do this work because we all realize the power of storytelling and the impact that we can have. Um, and so all that to say, as we wrap here, um, and I think there will be a lot more reflection going on in a couple months um, uh, when Dallas happens or when other meetings happen. But um, as we put a pin to Chanchi 100, our own version of the Toljanchi, where we celebrate 100 episodes together, um, what are you optimistic about for the future of the Chanchi show? And, and how do you see uh, either your role or your impact or the uh, the future of Chanchi show? And um, in ageist form, we will go youngest to oldest and have Nathan Ooh. Young rap. KJ. Uh, yeah. So I remember, I mean, like when, when we started, because I think this show was born out of Jerry giving us a yes, uh, individually and then just kind of as a show and those things. And Jerry, I've, I've heard you say, uh, you know, I don't remember if it was on stage or just in, in a conversation in a hotel room, but, but it was just like, you know, all it really takes is one person, one yes, to make an adoptee feel like they're, they belong and to like for it to help an adoptee get over their imposter syndrome. And I think 
for our space for the John C show, I think one thing that we've always wanted to be was that one yes for whomever comes on the show or maybe for, for anyone listening to that. And I think what that's expanded to now for me personally is like not just to be the one yes for people, but to be the one yes that like starts the wave, you know, that the, the 2020s begin to see like we're the, I don't know, whatever. It's, it's so hard to, to even pin it down because I don't know the timeline, but like, like there are so many things that happened in like Asian American pop culture succession from like fresh off the boat to crazy rich Asians to Kim's convenience to like it culminates in like Shang-Chi and like a bunch of other things, right? Like now, like more broadly, Asian Americans are just like kind of in uh, Miss Marvel, like in pop culture in a way that it's just like, yeah, this is just who we are. And we're able to like tell these really nuanced stories. Um, and so I hope that, that the John Chi show becomes the yes that starts the domino effect of adoptee voices, not just for Korean adoptees, not even necessarily just for Asian adoptees, but just like adoptees broadly in America, finding their voice, finding like a medium, finding a method to, to do, to like speak up and create and for there to be a greater awareness from the adoptee perspective of what adoption is, what this kind of like intersectionality is within our own ethnic communities. If that's a, I mean, no, within our own ethnic communities. And, uh, and yeah, so I think that that's like, that's the thing that I would like to see us like move into, uh, not necessarily like tactically related to the show. Like I just want us to be continue to be us, but that's like, I hope that, I have the privilege of being able to trace that. Maybe I won't, you know, because maybe it, it won't be that thing. But I hope that um, at some point, I'd like to like us to see. I'd like to see the John Chi show referenced in some type of like book or even a listicle is fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of that, I actually did uh, very facetiously Google John Chi show <laughs> the other day, and for that very thing, and found us in two separate articles. Uh, they're like. I don't know if they're like school ones or or what, but podcasts on Asian American stories we should you should listen to. So thank you to those two people. I've linked you in my notes, but I don't have that pulled up currently. Um, I agree with you, KJ. I think that's to me that's what like sustained or what a sustained success looks like. Because when I think success of the show, it's very much every individual message or something I receive from somebody who I have no prior connection to who says hey i found your show and it's changed my life or helped me think about it differently um especially from adoptive parents i've received a number of messages who have said they found the show and have found you know a a new avenue of self-education as they go on the journey of what will be adoption for both them and uh the child that they bring into their family and so you know, I think about it like that, and it's because of that each time it, it it like it's not like the feeling of okay, we've done what we set out to do, but it is also a little bit of that. Like I think at the very beginning, when I think at the the impetus of the show, we were like, we want to share our stories, you know, like talk talk about our journeys, us individually, because they're all different. And then we had Suja and Bate on and immediately it was like, no, we're an interview show now. (laughs) Like, we're not going to talk about ourselves. We're only going to amplify voices, which I think was really great because it set this foundation of we are we we are a safe place for you to come on like Dear Asian Americans was for us to tell your story for the first time in a way that you probably never have before. And I think what's been really, truly amazing is seeing us 
go back to that original impetus and talk about our own journeys a little bit more and to see the reception and the reaction from that community that we've built and from new folks who join uh, and then who subsequently listen to every episode like James, like the the gentleman who wrote us earlier, who wrote to Jerry. Um, he said he's messaged, he messaged me. We connected on LinkedIn and he said that he's listened to every episode already. And I'm like, Excuse me. Anytime somebody There's says so that, I'm many like, episodes. that is too much you spend time. So many what, hours was that the us. download bump we were talking about a couple weeks Probably. ago? <laughs> oh, that very well could have been. So thank you for that. Because um, it definitely boosted my ego at the beginning of August. But um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think for for me to see what success looks like is, yes, being one of those shows that people do talk about as being like oh i i heard an episode of the john chi show and it made me think a little bit differently about what i'm trying to do and then we see kind of the like you said the ripple effect you know i think we're seeing it nathan going to con i think he was able to see that firsthand like what we've done as a show and then to see people who we've obviously never met before come up and be like oh you're nathan from the john chi show or whatever it's not necessarily about the recognition but just the fact that someone has now taken the time to listen and then wants to continue either to pursue further or go to something like a con, like a conference, or even just a, a meetup to go and take that next step further in their own journeys. I think that's a, a, a huge piece of success in, in terms of how I look at the show moving forward. And, you know, I hope we can continue to do that and continue to do that for even a wider array of people within our own community. And continue to do that for ourselves as well. Oh, yeah. I think uh, definitely, like you said, I mean, seeing that we've come a long way and that we have talked about our own journeys and talked about what we've done, um, even though at the time, you know, when we started this, I had already been in reunion with my family. I had already had kind of a story that I felt I, you know, wasn't over, but it was it was already moving on, you know, further than, um, you know, than I than I ever would have thought, I guess. And then now it's, it's gone even further outside of that. It's, it's more along the personal lines of now that I've connected with my family. Now let's learn more about adoption. Let's learn about the, you know, the uh, adoptee citizenship act. Let's, let's learn about uh, other people's voices, other people's stories. And for me, that's been really great to, to always uh, continue to have guests on the show because um, those are stories that I, wouldn't ever have heard before because I wasn't a podcast listener. I wasn't really reading a whole lot. And so for me, that's been great. I really enjoy uh, the continued amount of guests that we have on the show, the people that have actually, uh, you know, applied to be on our show. We, we have a very long list. And I, again, I apologize to anyone who's listening, who's been on our list for a while. And you're like, it's, I applied a year ago. I'm like, we're yeah. horribly unorganized. I'm we're, so sorry. I mean, it's you know we've been filming you know or recording one one or two guests a month and so you know if, if uh, you're number eight on the list that's four months you have to wait to, to come on the show <laughs> if you want to jump up on the list you can Venmo at Chenchi Show yeah <laughs> so, they so I really feel bad <laughs> yeah it was hilarious I feel bad for but I I uh, you know appreciate your patience on everyone who has applied and the fact that we are continually getting more applications. And so that there is a steady stream of, of people that want to come on the show and tell their story and be vulnerable and be, uh, you know, uh, you know, there to maybe inspire other people. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate every guest that has been on the show. Uh, I appreciate um, Patrick for, you know, everything that he's done and changed from his zero to a hundred over the last two years, everything, 
you know, I mean, we haven't even talked about his rap career at all. And, <laughs> Literally you know, it's 100 like, episodes. Probably exactly, never brought it up. <laughs> never brought it up again. Now it's yeah. all about Quote, advocacy. We'll get into it later. Quote, <laughs> we will not get into it later. <laughs> Although I did want to ask you if you if you looked into further uh, heritage of your dad's side, because that was something I asked you in the first episode. Who me? You didn't. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't know what. Oh, uh, you're what, right. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, um, yeah. Um. <laughs> nope. To eh. be continued. <laughs> That's for one hundred and one. That's for a later conversation. Okay, one hundred and one is a guess. One hundred and two. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But you know the fact that uh, KJ has gone so far, uh, you know, to sing uh, some songs in Korean <laughs> and has really, um, I mean, expanded our our. Uh, knowledge of this the Korean language I think that's been great uh so Anya. overall I think we've all grown as well as the show has grown and and of course inspired people so I really have uh I want to continue that I want to make sure that other people you know hear other stories hear our stories and uh and hopefully are are moved by that so and the message that we want to share with everybody um actually I do um uh I don't want to take the credit for it. this is about me taking credit, but uh, share your story and ask other people to share a story. We are four living proofs of people who uh, were once asked and decided to ask others to share their stories on this amazing podcast platform that has been literally life changing for me and uh, for all three who are on the show. Um, and sometimes, not sometimes, so often uh, people see in ourselves, what we fail to see, what we refuse to see. Because when we see ourselves through mirrors and through decades of lived experience, that's it, that shit gets foggy. And, and we see it the way that it makes us comfortable or um, fearful. But people see us for who we are in our present moment, clearly without that lens. And sometimes that's what it requires for us to really believe that our story matters. Um, I, a couple of the things that I'm really proud of as we wrap here, and we can, um, you guys can jump in and, and share some of these things too. Uh, Nathan and Patrick, we both had your sisters on the show, which I thought was really, really meaningful and uh, gave us a chance to get to know you a little bit. Um, that revelation was sparked by the fact that Patrick claimed to have eaten kimchi for the first time on <laughs> live on the show, which was a show milestone. Um, Ugh, don't remind um, me. <laughs> we worked on a couple uh, paid sponsorships throughout the first episodes. Uh, Penguin Random House, a couple government agencies, and uh, the movie Blue Bayou, which for better or worse caused a lot, of, you know, sparked a lot of uh, important conversations within the community. We had our one year anniversary show here in Los Angeles where more than 30 people showed up, uh, some strangers and some people who've never been to anything Chanchi related until uh, that day. Uh, we were awarded the Media and Arts Award by the Korean American Federation. Patrick, you're going to Korea next month um, as, as a part of the continuation of that relationship with James and, uh, the Federation there. Um, uh, Nathan, you've gotten very int int intricately involved with Khan, the Korean American adoptee network, um, and helping to become a part of their leadership. Um, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and I, you know, when, when we think about impact of show, yes, the, the interpersonal, the emotional, the psychological impact, yes. But, when you try to get to 100 shows, when you try to get past that, we are still human and we need sometimes that external validation and these external celebrations to keep us going. And and, and what a blessing it has been for us to be able to participate in some of these things and then to continue to share our story and 
Um, and so, you know, uh, help us keep the Chanchi going um, in, in whatever way that is comfortable for you. Send notes of encouragement to the guys as we go along. Um, sponsor the show. Um, you know, if you want to come on and talk about the product that you're building, give away some stuff on the show that pr- uh, provides us a lot of value. Oh, we've gotten a whole, a whole lot of free stuff from our friends. Um, and so shout out mm-hmm. to Chosun, shout out to Core, um, Lunar, Nectar, Maku, Maku. Uh, all the booze friends. Uh, thank you to Jinro, who uh, I think sponsored our first, um, yeah, our, our biggest sponsor category is alcohol. Surprise. Um, <laughs> if anybody wants to sponsor the Dallas party, uh, Jinro, we're talking to you. Give us a call or return my call. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but this has been really, I, every time I think back at what I started in my podcasting journey, uh, leading into my speaking journey and, and other stuff, um, I am actually more proud of the Chanchi show than the Asian Americans. And so, uh, this show has meant a lot for me and, uh, I, I hope the party continues, maybe not in its current form, but we continue to make build a community and, and to bring together the impact that we all had set out unknowingly uh, a little more than two years ago on that fateful July 14th, 2020. So to, to you guys, thank you uh, is, is all I want to say. And um, yeah. Well, no, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to, I was honestly <laughs> going to say that beat me by one yeah. second. Um, say, yeah. Honestly, the thanks is is totally reciprocated. I think uh, for all all three of us, and we, I mean, truly wouldn't be here without you. Again, as KJ has said multiple times, being the person that said yes to our stories, um, and then had that audacity to throw us together. Um, <laughs> I think I said that at South again, by Southwest. I was thinking about it the whole time. Just that stage. Wait, I think I blurted it out in Austin last or this year at South by. Blurted what? You blurted what? That you just need one person to say yes. Oh, oh yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, that might have been. Yeah, it was in response to somebody in the audience question. Yeah. Well, well, technically, I said yes to you when you asked me to be on your podcast. Okay. <laughs> all right. We got a bunch of yeses right. flying right. around. We got to wrap it up. Anyways, before we tell everybody where they can find us and yada 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 and Do close the, the show thing. out, uh, we did all come to the table with a product, some Jinro. Uh, soju, except for KJ, he has some maku. Um, what flavor maku you got? This is the original flavor, and for some reason, I thought it was like less good than the flavored ones. It's not. It's just as good as the un- as the flavored ones. So I don't know what was wrong in my brain hole, but it's delicious. All so right. go get you some maku. Shout out to the Dollins for sending me this very lovely gift. Mm. I think this bottle of soju is from the Dollins. Wow, <laughs> the Dollins run the world. They're the real, the real power behind the Janji show. All right. Well, let's do one cheers to 100 episodes. Kambe. Am I saying that right? Kambe. 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 Quiet. Oh, so good. All right. Five well, soldier bottles. Way, what do you rate that? Oh, mm. five. Five out of five. <laughs> Especially the strawberry. Wait, oh, yeah. I was going to say, strawberry is probably <sighs> like top level yeah. for me. Five out of oh, five. That's any, what I got. any of these fruit generals? Oh, my goodness. It just tastes like water. Oh, yeah. They're all. It great. really does taste like water. Yep. Mm. All right. But now that we got that out of the way, um, 
and Nathan was getting his flick <laughs> on. Nathan uh, is playing playing a drinking game by himself. So someone check in with him after you hear this episode. Like, hey, man, are you good? They want to check in with us. Where can they check in with us at? Uh, you can find us at John T Show at all the places uh, that we want to be found across social media. You can send us an email to Show at justlikemedia.com. Um, you can buy merch. You can, yeah, buy merch at johncheeshow.com slash store or shop. I don't remember. Store, I think. Um, it would be super great if you left us a review on iTunes and any other place you could leave us a review. Honestly, it would be super great if you just told a friend and said, like, hey, this is a fun podcast. You should check it out. Um if they want to see yeah. you in person, maybe next month, where do they go? Oh, yeah. uh, they buy a ticket to Dallas, Texas. Uh, we'll be up in the burbs in our little neck of Koreatown. Korea, the Korea burbs. Ethno burbs? Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's a real term that exists, technically. Uh, I read it one time. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll be in Dallas October 22. Correct. Uh, also, uh-huh. you can leave us a voicemail. I see Patrick looking to his yeah. left or right and like <laughs> looking up with the number. 972-9, nope, 972-677-8867. I almost gave away my personal phone number like a clown. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me at KJ Relke on all the places that I want to be found on the internet. Find me at Walk on Instagram. You can find me at Patrick of the World on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And Jerry, where can they find you at? Don't find me. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me right. at, at Jerry J1 and the Instagrams and on the internet at jerrywan.com. Also, he runs a small podcast called Dear Asian Americans. You may or may not have heard of it multiple times throughout the course of this particular episode. <laughs> so, check uh, it out. We'll link that it's in the show one. notes, though, in case yeah. you never, you never, you don't know where In find case it. you don't know how to find a podcast, <laughs> we'll just hyperlink it for you. Anyways, oh, that's yeah. it. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of The John Chi Show. We'll be back next week with our regularly programmed uh, version of the show. <laughs> so until, we got a good interview. Yeah, until next week. John Chi, hey We did it.